The brothers wish. The brothers wish, brothers wish. The brothers wish. The brothers. You're now listening to Greg. It's the brothers. Hey everybody, this is Greg with the brothers wish number 150. I actually saw a, uh, or did I listen? I listened to a podcast about auctioneers. And so uh, <laughs> I was thinking it'd be uh, fun to start reading a lot more stuff and kind of auctioneer speak. I always, I mean, I already go pretty quick as it is. Anyway, I'm going down a rabbit hole. Anyway, let's uh, let's jump into it. Today we have uh, the one, the only, the Nick Arellano. Everybody. <laughs> you take so long <laughs> to say the mouth words. <laughs> You're like waving to the camera when most people just listen. <laughs> You can't just give it to him right away. You got to make him wait a little oh, bit. Oh, oh, like add the uh, delay. Like Rocky Horror Spence. Picture Show, the anticipation. Yeah, you got to make him yes. wait. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see what's cooking. Uh, no new patrons. And if you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com forward slash brothers wisps. And you get access to the patron only Slack where all the cool kids hang out. Way smarter than me. Um, I'm going to be putting probably a little bit more time into it because. I'm off for the next two weeks, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, nice. It is nice. <laughs> it's incredibly nice. And I 100% do not take it for granted. I appreciate it every single time it comes around, knowing that I'm not going to get called and my uh, vacation's going to get interrupted by something going down or broken. I was talking to uh, Miller, or Miller, I guess, was talking to me, and uh, he was saying, like, Thursday night or Thursday evening, I guess, the road crews were like, pile driving in big i-beams and they hit i guess uh a good chunk of fiber outside of a data center and it like adversely affected their entire town so that dude's been having a bad day and uh yeah i was like the place i used to work sent me a bunch of notifications about how they had transient power stuff and i was like oh well, it's too bad for them it's amazing anyway now that i'm done uh flexing on you guys uh let's uh let's read out the uh, sponsor stuff really quick it is brought to you by sonar scalable intuitive uh rather a scalable and intuitive and comprehensive isp billing and operational support system learn more at sonar.software i was almost breaking into my uh, auctioneer practice and i didn't want to screw it up right so you go. nice and pace that's what the people want. practice we also have tower coverage it's your RF propagation system to empower your network, real-time data metrics, enable your coverage area, reaching your customer base, and more. The industry's best RF propagation mapping system allows website integration for customer signup and pre-qualification. This data is used to scientifically plan your network expansion and help your WIS succeed. Get a free trial today at TowerCoverage.com. I heard that they uh, dumped a bunch of stuff. I think, what did they say, like 60 gigs of raw data or something like that? So... Uh, that might have been compressed, but yeah. Yeah, beefing it up. Data. <clears throat> the new hotness is in there. All right, Nick. We are coming up on the holidays. I am absolutely in vacation mode, so there's almost nothing on the list. So, brother, you better start vamping. You better start uh, uh, coming up with stuff on the spot. I better hear some interesting mm. color commentary. Keep it moving. Don't let me down. So, uh, first on the list Pressure. is... Oh, Plenty of pressure. Uh, we have router OS version one, seven dot one, I should say, and it's stable. Stable. Uh, so <laughs> you put some air quotes in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard uh, I've heard some reports of stability issues from several different people. I saw one of the reports as uh, I can't remember what hardware they were doing it on, but they're like, <laughs> I upgraded and now my license got blown away, so they're having to yeah, that's 
fix that or uh you know not everything is migrating over like on you know 6x uh installs uh going up to seven but you know it's like you expect some growing pains right between major revisions like that so that that stuff i would expect what i have heard is um, stability issues when trying to use winbox like data's not pulling you have to do reboots you have to do weird things like that Um, and I've heard from some folks that if you just stick to the CLI, you're going to have uh, a better time. So uh, I guess uh, for you 7.1 pioneers wanting to hit the stable version, and whenever you, I think whenever you install the stable version, it shows up as testing and like system packages or whatever. <laughs> I guess they just took the testing package and then just swapped it right over, unless maybe they just forgot to update that little tidbit in there. But I know Andrew Thrift wanted to be here is unable and I know me saying that is going to break a lot of people's hearts uh, because uh, everybody right. loves that Kiwi accent. I think that's really what it comes down to. You power, uh, power couple, right? That accent with that hair. It's pretty, uh, pretty <laughs> unstoppable. Although I am talking to a guy with some pretty fantastic hair. So I don't know. You just don't have the accent. You sound too you Yankee, too Northern. That's your problem. I'll work on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anything in particular in 7.1, stable, any thoughts, opinions, ideas? Have you actually thrown it on anything? I still have yet to, um, although I was thinking about over the break, putting it on all my home stuff. So I've got several devices at the house. I was thinking about putting it in there. Just to, it is on my home stuff. But is that, do you have it on some of your home stuff? Yeah. I mean, um, it's not on any like ISP networks that I'm involved with at this point. Uh, most of the complications are involved with uh, routing, routing filters, those sort of things. So some of the issues people were having were, one, probably misunderstanding of the routing filters, like the new mm-hmm. way that things are laid out. By default, things are, are dropped by default. So if you um, didn't have routing filters, which is pretty common in a lot of networks that I've seen, in, especially for things like OSPF, there's not a lot of filtering involved there. So a lot of their stuff that got translated over nothing worked because by default it blocks everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, that's one major thing. Um, I th- believe what thrift was talking about. There's some, there's some routing functionality that when configured in Winbox doesn't work right. Mm. But if you do it by the CLI, I guess it works. I haven't done a ton of testing, but, um, I've been doing a lot of stuff with my control the last couple of weeks. So I wanted to get my whole house on version seven to see how that's going to change as far as CLI, but it looks like pretty much everything's backwards compatible without the new, uh, CLI syntax where everything's slash slash slash. Um, so that's pretty interesting. I haven't played with the um, the REST API and Let's Encrypt stuff yet, but I probably will after I get through the initial onboarding stuff. Mm. Uh, but my whole house is on version 7 just to see. Um, everything seems fine. I haven't had any crashes, stability issues. So I think I want to say <clears throat> Splinks, Splinks, the the like the kind of CRM billing system, those guys, I think they put out a notice saying, hey, uh, version 7.1, uh, if you guys upgraded that, it's like the API, there were significant enough changes where it like doesn't work. So you probably want to hang on uh, a minute. So I guess that's, um, I mean, I didn't dig into it too much, but I, I guess there was some specific functionality that Splinks utilized in the API that changed in some way. So I guess uh, proceed with caution if you've got some API utilization in your environment. Or at least, you know, obviously test, 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 and then test some more, you know, before you throw this stuff into production. Yeah. But, uh, Wait, but you test in your lab because the more that people test and the more, uh, bug reports get filed, the faster we'll move towards actual stable, actual long term, which will be fun. 
Um, so we'll see. I mean, obviously, Microtech can't test for every possible situation people are using the kit in. Um, so yeah, it's it's not stable, but somewhere that people test it in the lab and file bug uh, issues, they can probably jump on it a lot faster now that they've got it listed as stable released. So hopefully that means they're going to do a bunch of waves of bug fixes and 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 try to actually drive it to stable. So the more that people interact with it, find things that don't work right, find things that are broken in the win box and support it, uh, it'll be better for everybody. Just don't put it on your production network. Not yet. Not yet. But right, yeah. Like you said, <clears throat> if nobody beta tests this thing, nobody puts it through their... Because obviously, Microtech can't think of every single scenario, right? And there, there's absolutely no way they could test everybody's use case. So, you know, you're obviously going to have probably something unique that they're not testing for in your environment. So, you know, put it through its paces. Help everybody out. Help me out. Help me to help you. All right. So, version 7. Uh, we'll do some more updates. I I get probably by the, well, I don't know. I was going to say by the next podcast, but that's only two weeks. We're hitting the holiday season. Everything's going to slow down. So it might actually be a month or two before we see any significant, uh, any gains, boys, uh, coming out of uh, version seven. So uh, let's hope. Let's hope. I'll be optimistic. How about you? I think it's going to be fine. Just uh, some kinks. I mean, the, just, just the filters. And, you know, they, they rewrote a bunch of important stuff like MPLS, IPv6. There's features that didn't exist before, like ECMP. There's going to be um, a lot of stuff that wasn't possible before that now is. And a lot of the stuff is rewritten. So it's not, it's going to be a lot different as far as just getting stuff programmed correctly in the first place to test it. So but I'm excited. It means um, once we do hit stable, hopefully we'll, we'll see new hardware and we'll see a lot of uh, performance improvements overall across the platform. So that'll be pretty nice. Yeah. So I'm, I'm super excited. Just got to wait. I definitely am looking forward to that too. So I also saw that they do a new product announcement. I think so. Have we already talked about this? I, I'm not sure. It's the uh, 2116-12D-4S+. Did we talk about that yet or is this brand new? Uh, I mean, we talked about it. I don't know if we talked about it in the podcast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it is... A new uh, CCR device. Let's pull up the specs so I don't lie to anybody. It's uh, ARM-based, 64-bit ARM-based. Uh, CPU core count looks like there's 16 of them. They're running at 2 gigahertz a piece. So that's pretty beefy for individual CPUs, which to me says it's going to have good BGP performance. It does have layer 3 uh, hardware offloading built into it, right? So you're... Um, your uh, layer three forty, layer three forwarding is going to be able to like go through ASICs, application specific integrated circuits, which are going to uh, mean you're not um, routing inside the CPU, so it's going to be more efficient. Let's see, sixteen gigs of RAM, one hundred twenty-eight megs of storage. <laughs> Router S version seven only. Uh, they just announced those things, so I'm not really sure when they're going to ship. They have uh, what is that? Thirteen gig ports. Are they SFP plus or are they standard copper Ethernet? They're copper Ethernet, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, they do have uh it's four SFP plus ten gig ports and the rest are copper. Nice. That's a pretty nice hardware compliment. I'm interested in this one. I think they're saying the street price suggested retail price nine ninety five, so less than a thousand bucks. So that was I mean that's in like ten thirty six 
range, right? As far as price goes, isn't 1036 somewhere around a grand? Yeah, which is kind of interesting because either they really want to move away from Tylera totally and have all these arm replacements because uh, they're coming in at a price point where performance is pretty similar. Obviously, there's there's less cores, but they're beefier. Um, power draw is kind of heavy. Looks like max power consumption without attachment says about 60 watts. That's pretty substantial. Uh, but it's got a lot in it. It's got a lot of RAM. I think this is one of the highest just general uh, core clock speeds of any of them that they've released so mm. far. This is kind of a, a killer router. Um, and they removed container support from version 7 temporarily. But in, in the marketing material for this, they're talking about how you know, because it has 16 cores, 16 gigs of RAM, you can run an NVMe solid-state hard drive in there. That it would be good for running containers on there, which you can't do right now until they bring it back. But um, that would definitely be interesting to have a nice little 1U appliance with that much horsepower for some containers aside from just doing routing stuff. So mm. this is a really interesting product in general. Here in their marketing, they say... Uh, they're actually comparing it to the CCR 1036, and they're saying it can easily double the performance at 16 cores versus the 36. So, outperform it. Oh, they're saying by double. I'm not sure performance of what. Uh, maybe People overall can walk throughput. People with more than two SFP Plus ports for a long time. That isn't the 1072, which is, I guess, one of the least stable of the Cloud Core series. But it says four 10 gig ports, which is amazing. And all that horsepower and the price is awesome. Like, I was expecting this to be significantly more expensive, but yeah, the, here we are. This form factor is exactly what I want. This is like in my uh, MDFs. Yeah, hotspot power supply. <laughs> yeah, my, I don't know why they didn't do it with this one, my, but my MDF right now, uh, I could really utilize. So I, I would use uh, utilize the majority of those copper ports, and then having the two extra SFP ports would be extremely useful. Not to mention the. You know the additional boost in power. I don't necessarily need it this site, but you know I'd rather have more uh, power than I need than less power than I need for sure. So, especially at that price point, it's like a nice even transition from the 1036. And I mean, uh, port complement is very close. It's just you get two extra SFP Plus ports. So, what's not to love in there? It's nice too because having four 10 gig ports. <clears throat> it makes it easier for you to do like a northbound and southbound like LACP channel. So if you have like two 10 gig ports and you're like, you have that tromboning effect if you do anything that's switch centric. So um, this having those four ports is pretty substantial and I'm super excited about that. Yeah, I like the four boards. Uh, like you said, for uh, redundancy, right? Going into the network, you've got redundancy on the, the 10 gig side, but also now you've got uh, carrier interfaces, right? So you're upstream, you're going to be able to, you know, pull it right in there and land on a 10 gig port. So right now, um, like on a 1036, if you're pulling in 10 gig and you want to bring it into the rest of your network, you have to compromise because you've only got two ports, right? So no redundancy on the inside um, or on the outside, not to necessarily say that in most places you're going to have that external redundancy. I guess it just depends on the environment. Like if you're in a data center environment, sure, you'll have that redundancy. But if this is like a site router somewhere, then yeah, the odds are you're probably not going to have it. Uh, coming in from your upstream, but it gives you options, right? So I always enjoy options because I always tend to uh, need it, right? Like something will happen. There'll be some snafu and it's really awesome to have it. So very interested. Was this the one that they did the 
the video for where they interrupted halfway through and they had Normans like pop in and say, oh, it's got killer BGP action or something like that. Yeah, yeah. that is the one. Sweet. <laughs> so, yeah, they were, what were they saying? Like six times uh, faster on the BGP uh, performance. I guess that's like full convergence. So like pulling in a full table, they're trying to say it's six times faster than uh, version six. So that's pretty cool. And you've got a two gigahertz clock count and 16 cores and the BGP for some portions are are um, multi-threaded now, so this is probably going to be seriously substantial. And it's it's interesting because depending on the next SKUs that come out, these are these are borderline sort of towards like an x86 avenue. Um, I have a feeling that pretty soon we're, they're going to be able to um, provide routers that are going to have less need to actually build a server for traffic. Uh, just based on power draw, a lot of these CCRs you're able to convert to DC by putting in, because um, usually uh, the board takes like 12 or 24 volts, depending on which generation of the CCR. But I mean, you can't really do that with a server or like something like a MaxWave Vengeance. So some of these products, depending on what the next like CPU core count and stuff is, it's kind of approaching the point where you don't really need to spend money on an actual 1U server. You can actually just use something with an ASIC. So that's pretty exciting because uh, that's not e really easy to swallow when you've got to buy a handful of 1U server appliances. But these are going to be pretty comparable, less power draw, convertible to DC. So that's going to be pretty big. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, simplicity. I'm all for simplicity. Right. I've just got one thing that I have to maintain. And like you were saying, like the x86 boxes, most of those guys are running some kind of virtualization engine on top, right? And then you're running the, the CHR on the inside. So that means that's just one more layer of complexity you got to maintain. And, you know, if it is just running natively Microtik on the Microtik hardware, uh, theoretically, it's one less hoop to jump through, right? So uh, fewer things to go wrong, one would hope. Yeah, I'm sure people still use... Uh, servers for like route reflectors and stuff like that but at least for forwarding traffic even tunnel termination all kinds of stuff at the edge you'll be able to use something with apparently from what i've heard i think even thrift has mentioned they've got a lot of other um switch chips either coming out or available to microtik to use in new products so you know we might be seeing those 100 gigabit devices with you know uh, asic chips and lots of cool functionality when the chip shortage is over with. <laughs> so hopefully we can push Microtik to stabilize the software and get that stuff uh, running great so they can start focusing on new hardware products finally and maybe some new wireless stuff. <laughs> That's something Thrift has always been doing. He watches the A6 they stick in there and he's like, oh, uh, by the way, it can do this and this and this. Uh, please, please enable that stuff. Uh, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's... He's always sort of nagging him about that. Yeah, like when you say new wireless stuff, what kind of new wireless stuff are you interested in? Everything. I mean, um, just Microtik's operating system in general as far as API integration, uh, and now pretty soon here with the Let's Encrypt support and or even just using a self-signed certificate, being able to interact with all this equipment in a standardized way over like a REST API, um, being able to have control depending on what chips go in there, as far as uh, QoS, prioritizing stuff. Uh, a lot of the uh, WISP equipment, uh, generally across most of the most popular brands, you don't have a lot of control on QoS or how stuff is marked. It's kind of all handled in the software, and it's not documented well. So 
being able to have full control over quality of service across the RF link to prioritize management protocols, stuff like that. I mean, having the encryption chips on board, they've always had fiber ports on their radios. So I'd like to see what they might want to do going forward with a brand new operating system for outdoor and indoor wireless. Even indoor wireless, they're still far behind um, where a lot of other people are as far as new wireless standards and capacity. And um, I like Capspin a lot too. So if they can, you know, bring Wave 2 and onward, I know that they just released some Wave 2 stuff in the wireless, which is standalone. It's not Caps manageable, hmm. but um, hopefully new, um, like Wi-Fi 6 and, and that generation of wireless standard stuff with new hardware, new form factors, and the software would be pretty exciting. Cool. Do you have, uh, have a no pretty big use case out. for them? <laughs> I mean... I just I use it personally for all my wireless. It would be yeah, nice to have I do too. the newer features, the higher channel widths. Um, but you know, I'm <laughs> working on software to manage all this stuff. I, it would be nice to have, you know, I don't like Unify, but Unify has like Wi-Fi six access points and a lot of cool functionality. But be, having more options to make it justifiable to have either a customer or somebody be like, yeah, put wireless in the enterprise or put wireless in the home. It's just it's it's not as compelling when there's other products out there that have more capacity or more just raw speed test aside from manageability. So we'll see what happens. I, I hope they take it seriously. They've got lots of developers now for a new operating system. So I'm excited to see what they decide to do, because at this point, if the operating uh, system stabilizes and they have the team that they have through this growth period that they went through and they have all these new chips available, they're kind of poised to do whatever they want. They can kind of just take over those markets, assuming the software stabilizes and they don't go too crazy with stuff. But it's going to be pretty compelling to have containers, routers, switches, access points, hopefully not phones, hopefully not cameras. <laughs> uh, oh, I know you were talking about, uh, or rather earlier, we were talking about version 7 stabilizing, you know, and truly yeah. getting stable. And I was thinking, well, as soon as it does, we're going to start running containers on these things. We're just going to break it all over. <laughs> I mean, we're going to be introducing all of the, uh, all of the chaos theory into the equation. So it's, uh, I, I, I wonder, I wonder if Microtech is prepared for the uh, deluge of support calls they're going to start getting as people start running pie hole on their, their router OS boxes and it starts breaking this or breaking that, or they don't have it configured right. Or... I mean, people are kind of doing that already with, um, like ubiquity products. Cause I think there's stuff still Viata behind the scenes but it, it's it's linux so like if you have uh, an edge router or whatever you can ssh into it install linux packages you can install like i think they have um avahi or something installed in there which is the multicast repeater um so like people are already kind of doing that or they're they're manually configuring the json file for the ubiquity stuff to get it to do stuff that the software doesn't let you do so people are already <laughs> finding ways around weird stuff like that so at least with microtech you, you get like containers like clean containers that yeah you might exhaust like memory or something but if you're running these tiny little containers to supplement some of the things that other vendors can do i don't think it's going to be that big of a deal with responsible usage of course but people are already doing it with other equipment but this would be probably a much cleaner simpler approach to kind of plop a container in and add it to a bridge on and get it ip'd i think it's going to be a lot cleaner than the alternatives yeah i think it's going to be fun to start playing with I, uh, 
Yeah. I can think of nothing but possibilities of all kinds of interesting stuff. We're going to be doing, so in the newer versions of Ansible, you know, like AAP 2.1, they have this ability to, um, they call it mesh, the functionality where, uh, you know, the controller will actually reach out to these execution nodes to actually um, fire off uh, all the job execution inside of containers. Like that was kind of the new, the new hotness that, even though it's, you know, containers is nothing new, right? That's how it's going to start doing the execution environments. So it'd be pretty cool to have some like micro ticks out at remote sites and have them as like remote execution nodes. It just pops over there, spins up some containers, performs whatever automation you need to that site, and then, uh, you know, ephemerally disappears. So that would be pretty neat to like show some people uh, executing that stuff. I just, you know, I'm always trying to think of like demos uh, that I could come yeah. up with that, it doesn't necessarily have to be something somebody would implement, but if it kind of stretches their brain and the way they think and, you know, Possibly. yeah, breaks them outside the box a little bit. Like, wow, that's, that's wild to think we could do that. I wonder if we could do this or that. And then, you know, you could start, the the you start brainstorming, you know, and, uh, yeah. you get them, get them moving, get them thinking. I was talking to some guys this week. Yeah. It's been like a really busy 10 days. I was talking to some guys this week petroleum company and it's funny so many of these petroleum companies are basically wisps inside because they have so much stuff out in the field right they've got so much data acquisition they have to do like well sites or whatever happens to be they got a ton of sensors on those things now and they're pulling all those back in um, a lot of them are using cambium gear uh, that's the vast yeah, majority funny. of them using if you look at a lot of the websites for the vendors um i've been looking at like telegraph technologies for the day job stuff. So uh, we've been looking at like Cyclu and Cambium and it's been a while since I looked at their actual like marketing material on their website. And it's surprising how many of them have like a whole enterprise and like SCADA systems like section of the website where some of the stuff, it looks like it's the same radios, but they're they're like rebranded for like SCADA system deployments as well as like security cameras. And so some of it looks like it's like uh, PMP 450 gear, but some extra encryption stuff for the traffic going over them. Mm. They're just making probably gobs of money off that. And I think there's a few <laughs> um, like higher end backhaul companies that was exclusively like um, oil companies and companies like that that were paying for really expensive license links. So I guess there's a huge market because even Cyclu's got some stuff on their website for um, like in-city camera deployments. And, and like those yeah. types of remote things, apparently it's a huge market. So that makes yeah. sense. I, these guys I was uh, talking to, they were doing Cambium for endpoint aggregation. And then backhaul, they were doing all Dragon Wave stuff. So it's like mm -hmm. they weren't jacking around. They're like, basically, we don't have anything in unlicensed frequencies. Um, yeah. You know, because, well, I mean, one, they've got a lot of money. But number two, um, if they, and this is how somebody related it to me like years ago, they said, if you make a mistake at your job, it's probably, you know, things are bad, but you know, it's all right. He's like, if we have a bad day at our job, uh, it's like front page of the newspaper, you know? So, you know, yeah. so they, they try and stay on top of that stuff and they don't want some Yahoo cranking up some 5G or uh, five gigahertz stuff next to them and blasting in their frequency and they just lose something at a site that needs, you know, connectivity for control or whatever. So. It's just a different animal. But I digress. I kind of went completely off topic there. Um, well, we got a light list, so we might as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's the idea. Vamp. Vamp, brother. 
but yeah, yeah. So it was just um, what was it? Automation on these things. I think that would be a really cool use case to like say, hey man, you've got these things out in the field. Watch it. You know, watch us use them as remote execution nodes. So in lieu of having to uh, install a server at this remote site, oh now this can just be your remote execution nodes, right? I can just pop in there and perform the automation from there and then Bob's your uncle, you're, you're done. Because these, these things are, uh, in my opinion, more stable and robust than the server environment. Because one, you talked about, yeah, higher power draw, which means you have to have yep. uh, more backup, but also they're just more susceptible to the elements for the most part. I mean, you can get hardened servers and stuff, right? But for the most part, you know, if you're grabbing a pizza box off of, uh, you know, Amazon or, you know, Newegg or wherever you're going to get your serve, eBay for that matter, it doesn't matter. Um, it's going to be more susceptible to the elements than say one of these router boards will. Also, the router boards seem to be able to handle temperature extremes a lot better than most of the server infrastructure I've seen as well. So, And being able to easily confirm DC is a huge deal. Like trying to find server power supplies that aren't just obnoxiously expensive and specifically for like negative 48 volts there's not a lot of options but with most of the microtics uh if you know what you're doing like it's not too bad it's usually just a little little wire harness kit or a dc to dc converter so being able to run this off a battery it's it's potentially more reliable than having to use a huge inverter and stuff to try to power <laughs> ac powered servers so hmm so speaking of like backing stuff up and power and stuff, uh, thanks to the snowpocalypse last year, you know, we had the rolling blackouts here in Texas, uh, which was a lot of fun. So I heard it was a little bad. yeah, generally either you straight lost power or you were susceptible to, to rolling blackouts. Although a couple of my friends were on like, uh, they happened to be the same little uh, grid section as like a hospital or whatever. So those, mm, uh, got lucky. those four letter word folks, uh, got to keep their power, uh, which was nice for them. Good for them. You know, I, I don't begrudge anybody anything. Uh, so uh, Miller, a while back, was talking about how they don't use generators really anymore. They use these blue eddies. Like, this is basically a big lithium uh, battery pack that they can cart around and plug in. And so uh, yeah. I looked those jokers up and I was like, man, it's, you know, they're not exactly cheap. But they're also very functional and reliable. A really cool thing about them, too, is, you know, you, you plug them in, <clears throat> DC port in the front. You're going to get a DC out. I think you can get 5 volts. You can get 12 volts. You know, I think it's even got, like, a car cigarette lighter uh, socket on there if you want to pull out on that. But also on the back, it's got uh, an inverter, so it can spit out AC as well. Uh, my favorite part is it can, uh, you can, like, be running off the AC and, you know, you have no power and that's great and it performs and that's fine. And when utility comes back on, the charger will kick on and actually charge it while you're still pulling out of the box. So it actually can sort of act as a pseudo UPS if you want it to uh, in the interim, which is really nice. Because I looked at some of the cheaper ones and you can either, uh, you know, like use the AC outlets or you can charge, but you, it wouldn't let you like do both at the same time. I think some of them actually use the inverter um, as part of the charging system. So it just like reverses it. So instead of inverting and going out AC, it like, I don't know, I guess in the infrastructure, it will route it through that AC line and just do a reverse inversion and kick it to DC to charge the batteries and stuff. So uh, this one, a little bit pricier, but you get that kind of convenient functionality. So for us, Snowpocalypse hits, I'm going to put it 
kind of centralized in our house. Uh, luckily, we have a fireplace that's gas fireplace, so we can heat our house uh, so we can stay warm. But then I can run it out to my cable modem and my router, which will keep this stuff. Uh, truck in my laptop battery actually will last a while, but I can also run an extension cord in here to run my monitors and stuff. And then uh, the most essential piece, we can run the TV in the living room. Uh, you know, our flat screen, uh, pretty much indefinitely through the rolling blackout. So uh, looking forward to not having to deal with that. It was really stressful for me because I was still pretty new and I was about to run my very first workshop solo. And uh, we were going through the rolling blackout. So I had to like rig a bunch of weird stuff using like USB booster battery packs. And it, while it got me through, I was like, this is not something I want to do again of course now i'm in the position where you know i would just be like uh bro we're having rolling blackouts uh let some other poor schmuck take this project over but back then you know it was like something that you know i, I just i wanted to work i wanted to prove myself so i was doing it but i guess i mean i still could i wouldn't have to worry about it so hey i'm prepared how are you prepared although you, i mean you guys are basically indigenous like I think Eskimo is not the word you're supposed to use anymore, right? What do you call them? Like First Nation up there, like snow people. You're accustomed to this, right? Inside your igloos. We have stable power, though. I mean, we're, we're used to weather. So, um, you know, basically when there is heavy snow, heavy ice, whatever, like trucks and salt go out, like all the major roads are already paved. Uh, most of the, the counties or at least at like the, the city level, they all have trucks. They just, they all go out there. So it's usually not much of a problem because like every year there's going to be snow, there's going to be <laughs> ice. There's still accidents, but for the most part, most of the major roadways are handled like right off the bat. Like they're already putting salt down as soon as it starts to snow. So it's not too big of a problem and the grid's pretty stable. So we don't have too much power issues. Um, whereas in California <laughs> recently, it's not the, the greatest. The power company out there, they've got really long power lines between poles. And some of the stuff is to the point where as soon as the wind gets above a certain threshold, they start shutting off chunks of grid to try to mitigate fires because um, I don't know if they just don't have enough structural support on the wires across some of the lengths that sometimes they have poles drop. So they just preemptively shut the grid That's off fun. just to minimize uh, risks. So there's lots of power outages. Do they do that when um, there's like uh, wildfires and stuff like that as well? I believe so. I mean, uh, especially with, I guess sometimes there's occasional power crisis scenarios where they have to kind of shut off certain areas of the state to conserve power. So they have like notices that go out to residents that your power is going to be shut off from this time to this time. It's like, it's wild. Yeah. Occasionally in the heat, heat, heat of the summer, uh, we would do that here. That's only happened a couple of times in, in like, you know, the nap. Well, I don't know. That's it. Like it's 15 years or something. So it's not, it doesn't happen that frequently. And to be honest, like this ice rolling blackout thing was the first time we've had that, I think. But they're basically saying we fix nothing uh, in the grid. So be prepared for it to happen again. So. Here we are. <laughs> we'll be all right. I'm not worried about it. It's just, uh, you know, we're prepared to go around. We tried to make sure to, uh, we were like, you know what? Don't wait till the last minute to figure out what we're going to do for this. Let's go ahead and do that ahead uh, before everybody else tries to do the exact same thing at the last second. So we've got all our stuff. We're hunkered down. We're ready to go. 
Let's get a bunch of solar. <laughs> the battery well, the, I, I think the solar okay. would just be covered in ice like during that. I don't know that it would necessarily help too much. But with a rolling nature uh, and its charging rate, I think it would be fine. Like, you, you know. Sure, there's ways you could, you could de-ice the panels. <laughs> grids down, you just... You got you got solar coverage. Yeah, I mean you could probably rig something out, but it doesn't hard down. All right, it's just rolling at least for now. I mean, like I know, like my mom in Waco, it went hard down for four days, I think, and then my in laws in Axel, I think they were down for like a week and a half. Somewhere in that neighborhood, so it took time for some of those guys. And like, yeah, hard down. We were thinking about getting a generator too, but I don't know. We didn't. We didn't this go around. I think we'll be all right. We'll see what happens. We shall see. Beat that one to death. What else do we have on here? I saw uh, a little article. I didn't read a lot about it, but there was apparently like a Ubiquity developer or maybe an ex-developer trying to extort the company. Did you read about that? A little bit. I guess it was uh, one of their lead people in the like cloud area who managed the resources in AWS who basically did a big data dump sent it in as like an anonymous person with a threat that they've got some sort of backdoor ex- exploitive access. Um, and then apparently at some point, um, the employee in question was uh, accessing the stuff through a VPN and the VPN happened to drop at some point and there was logs in the AWS infrastructure showing um, the IP address, which they used to tie um that kind of the anonymous information, like username information logs to him. And he tried to like argue it, uh, but they, they nailed him. Like because of that whole VPN thing, they were able to cross-reference the logs to prove that that was definitively him. Oh man. They said he was using Surfshark. So uh, avoid Surfshark, everybody, if you're going to try and extort money. No, I wonder why he wasn't using like Tor or something like that. I don't know. I mean, just because you're uh, an AWS cloud person doesn't mean you're on the up and up of stuff like that. That was probably not the best thing to decide to do. God, he was demanding $2 million, too. Like, oof. Oof. Wild. Oof. It was good to know that there wasn't actually a uh, an exploit or vulnerability or something um, in their cloud infrastructure that it was just somebody on the inside. And what was even worse, apparently, is the employee who was trying to extort the company was actually assigned to no the case way. to look at trying to get into the system. <laughs> so it's like, how could you do your job well when you could potentially like reveal that it's you because you're the one that has to hunt you Brilliant. down? So that, that was <laughs> wild. Yeah. Because apparently he was like the lead of the, uh, the AWS or like cloud hosting like department so that, that's who was assigned to handle the case it's like oh wait that's me what do Facing i do about a maximum this sentence of 37 years um what else it also says ubiquity stock price fell by about 20 percent from that announcement oof amounting to losses of over four billion oh, market capitalization so. oof yeah they're gonna turn the screws on that guy if they can Get over he is screwed wacky wild man it's a weird Weird world we live in, is it not? Definitely. That, that was a. Uh, either he was smart enough to pull it off, or he was just way out of his. Because that, 
that's something like once you decide you're going to do that, you got to follow through because ubiquity is not going to mess around. Yeah. Clearly, they're not. Something I heard somebody say one time is uh, never do anything that you think you're going to have to explain on a form. <laughs> yeah. So you get in trouble. They're going to have to fan you a form. You're going to have to explain why you did that. It's like never do anything like that. Um, I would definitely say that is one that uh, might have a form associated with it that you don't want to explain. So, yeah, avoid that if you possibly can. Or several. All right. What else is interesting? So a question, like we were toying around with something and it kind of prompted me to think about uh, the podcast I'm listening to right now. Um, are you an avid podcast listener or are you just an avid podcast guest, Nick? I, I do listen to podcasts periodically. They're mostly uh, developer type podcasts and uh, recently some true oh, yeah? crime stuff. What specifically? What are you into? Yeah. Uh, I don't listen to any of that. I'm just curious. Like, yeah. Like for the true crime stuff? Uh, it's one that my wife listens to a lot. I think it's called uh, Morbid. It's basically they go through the case of like various serial killers and they go through some of the, the case information, some stuff from like their background, like some of the stuff that they did. It's just, it's wild. You know, what's so funny is I used to be more fascinated by that stuff when I was younger. Now that I'm older, it kind of like, I don't know, man, it just it doesn't sit well with me anymore. It's like, I'm not sure why. I think it happened like after I had kids. I think it just kind of like all that sort of like shifted my perception of things. Like it used to be fascinating to me and now it's like, I don't know, more on the disturbing side. <laughs> what kind of developer stuff are you listening to? Um, I, I do a lot of development with uh, PHP and uh, a framework called Laravel. And so there's, there's a very large community in there. So it's a bunch of um, developers in that circle talking about products they're working on and other stuff like that. Are you going to guess um, guest on one of those? Probably not. <laughs> no, that's a huge community. They don't even know who I am. I don't even go to well, the it's conferences time like the present. You can start now. <laughs> one day. Okay. Well, let's see. I was uh, I was curious. It's like, what do I listen to? I've got a lot on here that I almost never listen to, but then like if I'm traveling or whatever, I might pop one or two of those on there. I've got like, and, and some of these I used to listen to more. And then I just kind of I don't know, fell out of fashion for me or whatever. But, you know, like this is American life. Uh, this American life, rather. I uh, used to listen to that a little bit. Wait, wait, don't tell me. I used to have fun listening to that one. Uh, manager tools. I used to listen to that one a lot more. Not so much anymore because I'm not a manager anymore. So it's like I want a break from that. Uh, there's a comedy one called The Dollop, which is these two comedians. Uh, something something and Gareth Reynolds. And the something something guy, I can't remember his name. That's so crappy of me. Um, but uh, anyway, the one guy reads like some historical um, version of something that happened. Like, just, you know, something that's crazy. And there's always, they always try to do like a turns out or a twist, like at the end. Like this last one was like this crazy story. And then like that guy was Johnny Appleseed. Like, no way. That's bonk. Like he just the craziest stuff, you know. And uh, wow. Gareth Reynolds, so they're both comedians, but Gareth Reynolds is like this amazing improv guy. And so he is just like riffing on everything that's coming up. And it's just, uh, it's completely bonkers. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, Intelligence Squared Debate. That one's a lot of fun that I like listening to. It's like basically they'll pick these random topics. They'll have experts on both sides. 
and they'll do a debate. They used to do it live and in person. And what they would do is they'd have an audience. Everybody would vote which direction they were leaning. And then after the debate was over, everybody would vote again. And whoever had the most people switch sides actually won. Um, so it's really interesting to hear like discourse where there's no, you know, uh, was it ad hominem, you know, where they're like attacking the person rather than their position, right? It's mostly just, you know, this is what I believe and, you know, countering each other's points. It's really uh, civil and interesting. Uh, of course, there's always 99% invisible, right? Which is like a design architecture podcast, but goes further beyond that. And I think that's fascinating. Ear Hustle, still one of my favorites, recorded in San Quentin prison uh, by the prisoners about prison life. It's really humanizing. It's super changed the way I think about like people and approach various situations. Uh, no such thing as a fish. It's like this uh, this group of researchers for a television show over in the UK. They talk about crazy facts that they look up every week. Uh, da, 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 da. What else do I have in here? No sleep podcast. Have you ever listened to that? Especially like spooky stories on road trips. We listen to it like with the kids sometimes. That was fun. Um, what else am I listening? What am I really listening to? One that I listen to a lot is a Taskmaster podcast because I love the show Taskmaster. And so every week they're like, go back in time and they're going through all the episodes. And then when a new season comes on, they go through those off menu. It's James A. Caster. And what's the other guy's name? I can only remember half of these people's names. It's ridiculous. Um, but it's two comedians and they do this off menu thing where they have this, um, dream restaurant where they like ask people to come up with their dream meal. So like my podcast that I do, the warm up exercise is like based off of that podcast. So I really dig that one's a lot of fun. The bald and the beautiful, uh, that's uh, Trixie Mattel and Katya, two of my favorite drag Queens. They are some of the funniest people on the planet and it is definitely not family friendly, but it is a wild ride every single time. So, uh, that was a lot of fun that happens. It's two of the guys, Spencer Crittenden and Jeffy Davis. They were on Harmontown and now they do a podcast together. That was a lot of fun. There was one called What Trump Can Teach Us About Con Law. And now it's like Roman Mars learns about con law. It's basically about um, constitutional law. I never really knew anything about it, but it's a really fascinating subject, kind of how it all works. And they sort of go through it every now and then. And then uh, shout out to This Is It Actually. It's kind of a new one that I've started listening to. I'm going to interview this person. And so I started like digging in a little bit. I'm kind of digging on it. And then uh, somebody in the Slack turned me on to a couple of new ones. One is Every Little Thing, which is, I don't know. It's like somebody calls in and asks a question and then they find an expert and then get that person that called in and they have a conversation about it. That's interesting. And then the way I heard it with Mike, uh, Mike Rowe, from uh you know dirty jobs i've only listened to one episode but it was pretty interesting that guy's like uh easy to listen to i don't know he's a lot of fun those are my uh those are my podcasts that i listen to it's a lot more than you nick so i feel far more accomplished than you you should i mean the day day today is really chaotic and i feel like when i listen to something like a podcast i want to like really pay attention to what they're saying, especially a serious podcast where sometimes they, they continue on the same type of stuff. So, uh, as it'd be hard and really give it the time that it deserves to listen to some of the past, the way that, um, things have been going lately. 
So I would love to listen to more podcasts. I have a bunch of them um, that I have saved in my podcast listener thing. It's like Mac OS and sync to my phone. I just I'm like hundreds of episodes behind a bunch of stuff. So I'll definitely check out some of the ones you listed just to at least follow them. So maybe one day I'll be able to listen to Bald and Beautiful, aren't you? Oh, of course. That's the first one. (laughs) I love that one, dude. It's so bananas. Oh my gosh. One episode they had uh, Katja and her mom were on it. It's like, oh my God. That's why she is a complete, or that's why he's a complete lunatic because his mom is like bonkers. Like, it's just like crazy. Like, I don't know if I'm coming or going listening to that one. Like, it was just disorienting my brain. It was turning everything around. So that's a, that's a bizarre one. I think, uh, I think Mary would get a kick out of that one for sure. He loves cats. Yeah, yeah. And they're Trixie. Both, they're both nuts. Um, what else? Uh, what shows are you watching right now? Anything interesting? I know you're so busy, you're like behind on everything. I don't have a lot of time for entertainment, but um, I started watching the second season of The Witcher a little bit. Uh, one night I had some time, and then... Um, uh, Mind Hunter, which also started me serial a little bit down stuff. the path of the serial podcast. I thought season one just... was pretty darn good. I'm... It kind of got weird at the end, but I, I never saw season two. So it's pretty good. It's it's just interesting that uh, the way people, I guess, when they're a psychopath or, or a sociopath as well, like th- those types of people, just how they frame the world and how matter of fact they are with some of the things that they've done when they talk about them. It's just, it's pretty chilling, especially when they've got like 140 plus IQ and you talk to them and they just seem like a normal person, very calm and collected, but just did some brutal stuff and they just don't care. And they'll, they'll love to talk to you about it. Gruesome detail. Well, you know, I've always heard everybody's got a story. Um, I guess this is everybody's got a story and maybe you don't want to hear it necessarily. Is that, that the idea yeah i mean when you don't feel any remorse and uh you would do it again or when you're let out of prison you go on another murder spree after you've convinced people that you've been reformed and changed and they have to immediately throw you back in prison it's like oops <laughs> like people are out there that yeah. can do some stuff i was i've recently um got on this little kick and i think i want to there was a, a book that was referenced i think i want to listen to it, but it was a guy who was, well, I listened to two. One guy is a deep programmer for people who are in cults. And then one person was uh, a cult member that got out and they were basically just talking about those experiences and uh, the various ways that one, you know, people are lured into cults. What kind of person is lured into a cult? What methodologies do they use to really indoctrinate them and to kind of bind them in there? And I don't know, just like all that is like really fascinating to me. I think and that's what's cool about the show is that it's it's before the FBI like recognized that as a practice. And so it's like you're juggling the story of these like serial killers and interviewing them on top of the FBI like becoming yeah, accustomed yeah. to that practice and like looking profiling, at psychology right? in that manner. So it's really Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. like um uh, like profiling serial killers. This is like the the beginnings of that is what they're. And I'm assuming there's I mean, there's some fiction to this, but uh, loosely based on truths. So 
you know, it's pretty cool. And they do have some really good um, actors for the various killers. Like they cast that pretty well. The, <laughs> like the main detectives yeah, are uh, pretty, pretty well cast. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a really well put together show. I thought it was really well done. I watched the new, uh, also we're talking about, it, I watched the new Cowboy Bebop, the live action. And I apparently am the only person in North America that enjoyed it. Well, my oldest watched it with me and he enjoyed it as well. Um, but yeah, like absolutely everybody else I talked to, they just like, they didn't like it. Um, I think for the most part, it's because they can't like separate themselves from the original anime. Like, uh, you know, pretend that that's like a standalone piece of media. Now this is something completely that you can't. But of course, I haven't seen it since I was in high school. So that was like 20 years ago. So it's really easy for me to to draw that line. But uh, I think they already said that it's not getting picked up for another season. So uh, that's that. I enjoyed it while it lasted. You were talking about The Witcher. I was trying to watch that, but my oldest was behind. So we're trying to catch up a little bit here and there. And then I'm going to start watching it. Does it does it hold up pretty well compared to the first season? Mm, yeah, I mean, I I was only able to watch it uh, one evening. So I got like two two episodes in. I don't know when I'm going to be able to watch it again, which means I'm probably going to have to rewatch those in a couple months. Um, this is how it goes. Uh, but I, I, I played a lot of the games um, and I started reading some books like a long time ago, but I always liked that genre. And uh, so the first two episodes were pretty good. I forgot a ton of what happened the previous season and the recap was covered a bunch of stuff that was good. So it has the potential to be pretty good. That's good. I, I really enjoyed the first it. season. Uh, and then we're picking up like most of the way through the first season and like finishing it off. And so that's actually jogged my, uh, jogged my memory a lot, obviously, cause I'm rewatching the thing, but it kind of, you know, got me where I need to be in the headspace. So I think we've only got like two more episodes and then I get to start on the new stuff. So maybe after this, I can convince him to go and watch it. He's like so flighty, <laughs> like whether I can get him to do anything or not. So I'm trying to like, you know, watch it with him or whatever. Such is life. Oh my gosh. You know what I did last night is, uh, somebody I know, uh, they hit me up and they said, Hey, we've only got three guys. I need a fourth. Do you want to come and learn magic, the gathering? And, uh, I was like, Oh my <laughs> God, no, but sure. <laughs> so I went over there and did that. And, um, I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm being very polarizing here, but, uh, there's like this flavor that they play called commander. And it was just so confusing. Like there was like too many moving parts and it's just like, I could not keep track of any, like it was just so damn confusing, but I can, uh, I guess see the appeal for some people, but Holy cow, not, uh, not for me and my smooth brain. Uh, it was not, I don't have enough wrinkles up there. Uh, it was not for me. So I'm trying to, a new thing I'm doing is not saying something is bad, I'm saying it's not for me, right? Because not my cup of tea, not necessarily bad. It's great for other people, just not for me. So it was magic was definitely not for me. Well, the agreement was uh, I would play magic with him and he's got to come and play D&D &D with me and a bunch of 16 and 50 year olds. So that's going to be uh, <laughs> an interesting experience. Hopefully uh, one uh, a little bit more pleasant than uh, than I had trying to attempt. Uh, magic have you ever played magic the gathering i uh years ago i did play uh, a couple of card games not not really magic but uh 
I've played a bunch of card games, like the the original Pokemon trading card game. Uh, there's another game yeah, called yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh that I used to play, but that's like way faster paced than Magic. Magic was was interesting, but um, it's significantly more expensive, and there's a lot more cards and a lot more formats, and it's like not really super casual, uh, and there's a lot of investment. I had some friends that would like blow all of their money to build like whatever the the current deck that was like topping tournaments and which is bring it in and stomp everybody with their kind of like half-baked cards they yeah, put together. Yeah, talking about like how uh, magic um if you play standard they put out like I don't know what do you call it like new sets of deck almost like new seasons or something. Yeah. Yeah, and so form, it's like yeah. as soon as they release that new one all of your old cards are obsolete. You don't get to use them anymore. So you have to like continually buy this which sounds like it turns into a big investment because uh, i can't just buy packs i gotta buy tons of packs to build a good deck and then it's like holy cow man that's that's wild so this commander version you can basically use cards from any version or mix them all together or whatever it happens to be so i guess that uh seems to make a little bit more sense yeah i used to go to some tournaments so for for games like Yu-Gi-Oh, for example um You'd have like a whole tournament cycle where there's like a couple decks that would just dominate the tournaments. And then right at the tail end of that like circuit, basically, they would um, update the ban list and they would cripple all those decks and then release like new decks where you'd have to like go buy all these cards and build these new decks and play that for the next format. So they're just making tons of money. Some of the some of the, the big cards that were hard to pull were like two, three hundred dollars mm. a piece. I had a lot of friends who went there just to trade with like younger kids and rub them <laughs> off when their parents weren't paying attention. I had a friend that just like it was disgusting. He would he would go in as soon as he would get to the point in the tournament where he couldn't place um, like in the top eight or top ten, which he would get like an invite to a regional or like a um, like a global tournament or something. He would just drop out because he knew an invite, and he would just rip all these kids off. By the end of the day, he would leave with like. $2,000 worth of cash or like six binders of cards that he'd go sell on eBay. So he, it was wild. Uh, but yeah, it was it was for a short period of time. But a, a lot of my friends still are really into cards, like Magic especially. That's cool. It's yeah, pretty popular. I, it seems like there's been a resurgence over um, quarantine, right? A lot of people uh, locked inside trying to find stuff to do. So yeah, that's when they started picking it back up. And I guess they kind of are having fun with it. So they're continuing it on. I said, you know, basically please don't ever ask me to come again unless it's a dire emergency, in which case I will come <laughs> and I will sit here and be useless. Uh, but other than that, like, please don't, please don't maybe sure. may have, uh, kicked off another, um, D and D group. We'll see over there. Cause one of the guys hmm. was a DM for like 10 years. And then most of his people got like, I don't know. They moved away or got married or had kids. <laughs> you know how it goes. Uh, so he's kind of a DM without a home. So we might end up getting him to play with us a little bit. That might be interesting. So never know what will come out of that. So what are you uh, What are you getting for Christmas? Uh, on call and uh, <laughs> I see some family. <laughs> Have my laptop uh-huh. with me though. Yay. Well, you brought your laptop so you guys can play Jackbox <laughs> games, right? Yeah, yeah. That's Probably. what it's there for. Uh, I, can't, I can't host it because then if, 
an alert goes off, I gotta like go with the laptop. So then they uh-huh. can't play. Let's we'll turn up the volume loud enough to where you can't hear the alert, and you're fine. <laughs> that would be worse. <laughs> well, what did you get Mary for Christmas? Uh, she wants another tattoo, so I told her I'd pay for her next tattoo. Oh. That's all she wants. What's it gonna be? I'm not sure yet. She's got several ideas, and each of them has a independent artist. She's all about like going on their Instagrams, looking at their artwork. She knows like where they're located, what tattoo shops. So she's like, she wants this tattoo from this artist who's in like Chicago area and oh, is wow. booked for like six months. And there's another artist in a different tattoo shop who does a different. So six style months is that? What do. are the odds that she would book it to get this guy to do this one style? And by the time it comes around, she's like, no, I don't really want that anymore. She's changed her mind. In some. Oh, she's like she knows like she's put a lot of time in. She knows exactly where it's going to go, <laughs> like everything. I don't right, about that. Fair so. enough. See, he's there. Uh, let's see. What am I get for Christmas? I want to get, I, so I've been seeing all these um, people review the new uh, DJI mics. You know, like the DJI, the guys that do like um, drones and stuff like that. And they make like really good gimbals or whatever. They're now putting out a wireless uh, mic set. So it's like two wireless mics that pull back to a little uh, base station. Uh, they charge kind of like um, like AirPods or whatever. You know, like your ear beans, they got a little case where they pop in. It's got a battery in there, so it'll like charge them and stuff. Um, but they'll record a local track. And then they also stream it back to like the main base. And then that base, you like plug in your camera. So you can either have them record safety tracks or you can have them record safety tracks while it's beaming that back. You can go straight into the camera so you get your left-right audio as the the remote mics or whatever. And they've got really nice like uh, built-in microphones into them. And they've got the little dead cats you can pop on like if you're kind of in a windy environment. But then they also have like um, like a lapel mic jack so, on them too. So you can like pop in a lapel mic and then just pull it up on the person. So. I think that'll be uh, really nice for like uh, just doing like on the scene uh, interviews or whatever. Like obviously the audio is not going to be as clean as if we're sitting here with like a DAC and like these sure mics or whatever. But also you could just carry, I mean, you could travel so light if you're just carrying like a GoPro, a little mini tripod, and then this little set, which is, I mean, it's like smaller than the size of your cell phone. You know, like the the little container or whatever. You could travel so light with that. Hook somebody up and then do a, like an interview really simply and, and get, I mean, from all of the testing, really clean audio uh, with the uh, the backup track too. So it'd be cool. It'd be good for uh, like recording some of the stuff I've been doing kind of in my, my own stuff on the side. I haven't actually done one physically in person yet. And um, the prison, do like a YMI murderer <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, it's, I don't know. Like I was, I've been kind of waffling between doing ones uh, live. And the last one I recorded, the audio just disappointed the shit out of me. And it was somebody who's actually here in town. So I could have physically gone. But then there's, you know, like the Omicron spike happening or whatever. It's like, oh man, it's like, I don't really want to. Uh, but I was thinking too, like, you know, because it's like, I don't know. Do I want to travel with like all this big heavy kit? I think, I don't you know. I'm just. I'm torn. But if I had a nice convenient way to like really simply just throw it, throw it up really fast and then actually get quality results, I think I, 
think I would be happy about that. But also, you know, conference, when conference season comes back around, you know, it would be really easy to, to mic somebody up just instantly. So even in those conference environments where they're noisy, it would be like perfect, right? Because a really cool thing about them is they have a clip, but they also have a magnet. So you can just put the magnet on the inside of the shirt right there and then it just, bam, snaps right to it and it's just hanging right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> salt bay right there. Bam. Uh, yeah. So that yeah. way you, you know, I can have one on me, have one on them. Uh, base station goes right into the camera. Boom, fired up and then just record the interview really quick. We can all move around. I'm not having to worry about background noise, all that crap. So I think that would make that stuff... Um, really convenient like i think i just the quality on all that stuff would go up like instantaneously and it'd be a really easy way to do and it's not super breaking the bank and also since it's like an electronic device i can write off on my taxes so like on my business taxes or whatever so might as well i don't think they're going to come out until january so we've got them pre-ordered but whatever i can wait that long seeing as though i'm not actually going to be like, doing any of this stuff in person so that's what i am getting for christmas as soon as the, mm. yeah. as soon as those come in, you're gonna be booking interviews. I dude, that is the hardest thing to do is book interviews. Like it's uh yeah. for every ten people I contact, I maybe get one if I'm lucky. So it's just it's uh and for every uh every ten people that like don't want to do it, only one person actually responds back and says, No, thank you. Otherwise, it's just like complete silence. So, yeah, so it's just, it's a lot of work uh, tracking people down. I'm going to keep at it though. I told myself I would do it for a year. This is the year mark because it was January. Well, it was actually about this time last year that I first started contacting people. So uh, I've hit the year mark and I'm still enjoying it. So I guess I'll do it another year. I don't know. We'll just keep at it. We'll see what happens. It's funny, it kind of like my uh, energy levels come in waves. So uh, with like this impending vacation, I don't think I'm going back to work until like the fourth or something. Yeah. What? So, I'm t- <laughs> so. <laughs> well, it's like uh, Red Hat does uh, like a company-wide shutdown the week of the 27th. So every employee just gets a free week off anyway. Um, so I'm just going <laughs> to put the the week so next week i'm taking that off and then the third they're giving us uh that off as well for new year's day so yeah the fourth is is when i officially go back and they keep warning me they're like hey you really need to take your vacation like i have so much saved up that it's like use it or lose it scenario so i really need to like start using it darn (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i'll take the time off and then i'll make Ansible YouTube videos. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to do that anyway. But uh, I don't know. I guess that's kind of what I got going on. I My wife is so hard to shop for. There's like absolutely nothing she wants. Because generally if she wants something, she'll just, just get it. You know? It's no big deal. Yep. So what I decided to do is yep. I was just browsing around and I came up with this idea of making a copper bracelet but like uh, acid etching some words in it and then like putting some like bracket black acrylic inside the etched out parts to like make it stand out or whatever. So I'm going to give that a try. I've never acid etched anything. So I've got like some ferrochloric acid. I've got some citric acid that's supposed to kick it up and I've got some copper bracelet blanks. So we'll see what happens. Mm. 
Yeah, you know, we'll That'd see be pretty interesting. I'll, uh, I'll uh, post some pictures in the Slack uh, as I make project or progress. I was thinking about video in the whole process, but I was like, uh, I don't feel like it. It slows everything down so much. <laughs> of course, once I get into it, I might decide I want to. I don't know. Hey, we'll see. If you're working with like acid, I'm sure you've got like time constraints on like how long it can be applied in between trying to like record and capture and you hey, never know we'll how that's going to go. Speaking of interesting things, we mentioned like my other Learned podcast. Uh, I found somebody named Addie Starr in Canada and she's a uh, wrestler. She's a female wrestler. She lives in Ottawa. <laughs> I found her because her picture, like her profile picture on Twitter, it was like somebody sitting in this pile of stuff. I was like, what is that? Apparently, her shtick is she throws down a big tub of Legos and, like, suplexes people into it. <laughs> yeah. So, it's like her gimmick. She, like, body slams people into Legos. And uh... So, you got to get the DGI set. <laughs> I go you got to go auto. out there. Get Legos. I got... It's going to be ASMR of me getting smashed into Legos. <laughs> That's what the people... Uh, it's not what they want. It's what they need. It's what they require. Yeah. But, uh, not only is she a wrestler that, yeah, slams wow. people into Legos, but her day job is she's a school teacher. <laughs> I know that face, that reaction. Yeah. Wow, wild. <laughs> so talk about interesting wow. people. Um, I think that one's going to be pretty interesting. I've tried like some people are such a mystery. Like I was doing research. Like I found out what her real name is, not just her stage name. I was like trying to research her. She's like a ghost. Some people just, I don't know. You can't really find a lot. So it'll just be uh discovery in the moment, which is fun too. Right. Cause then you're just like absolutely surprised by everything. Wow. It might be. That'll be interesting. Anyway. Uh, yeah. This one was light, but uh, we managed to fill in plenty of time uh, with shenanigans. It's uh, I consider this the Christmas episode because this is going to be or a holiday episode or whatever it is that you celebrate this time of year. I like to think of it as not going to work for two weeks episode. Uh, so that's fantastic. Uh, that face. I'm sorry, bud. I didn't mean to. <laughs> I didn't mean to rub it in, um, but I kind of did, but not a lot. Um, just a little. Just a little. I just wanted to see that look on your face for a second. So I can feel better and feel superior, and that's uh, that's a that's accomplished. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is going to be kind of um, the last one we not do for the year. Maybe is this the last one you do for the year? Let me look at the calendar really quick. Um, yeah, actually, this will be the last one we do for the year. So this is the, although the next one's going to come out like almost on the first, so it'll be really close. So we'll just make that one the New Year's one, but. In all honesty, this is it. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Appreciate you guys sticking around. Uh, I always get sort of nostalgic uh, around this time of year. And actually, January of 2022 will be 10 years of this podcast. So, yeah. Wow. Almost as old as my awesome. one of my children. It's wacky wild. Been doing this a really long time. I never expected to be doing it this long. And I guess, I guess in January, we should do kind of like a a 10 year episode, maybe try and get a whole, oh man, that would be a hot mess to try and get everybody in here. I don't know. Maybe it would be worth it. <laughs> Schedule a day and try and get like absolutely everybody we possibly can. That would be, no, that, 
no, I think that would be a bad idea. I'm sorry. But um, yeah, coming up, coming around. Appreciate you guys. Uh, like I say, I get kind of nostalgic at this time of year for this sort of stuff. So appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate everybody participating. All my friends, um, everybody who's lended a hand here and there. Uh, appreciate all of you. Nick, thank you for uh, popping in today, bud. Uh, if folks out on the internet want to get a hold of you, how would you have them do that? You can email me at nick.a at hey.com or the little brother's right, baller. Website. If you want to find me, I'm Greg at gregsoul.com or you can go to gregsoul.com where I blog semi-regularly nowadays. Uh, probably another easy way to find me is on the Slack, as Nick mentioned. That's patreon.com forward slash the brothers wisp. You can get access to the Slack and all of the brain power, all of the not smooth brains like me. I'm like a manatee, but all of the all the deep, heavy wrinkles, the uh, crevasses, the uh, <laughs> all of it, all of the good stuff, the hive <laughs> mind. You get access to it, and uh, you become part of the Borg as well. So. Uh, uh, one of us. I was talking about cults earlier. Now you know why. Working it out, brother. <laughs> they say cult plus time equals religion. That's just a new religion. That's all it is. Give it a minute. All right. Thank you, listeners. Questions, comments. Anybody you want us to talk to? Anybody you're sick of hearing? So, aka me. Uh, let us know. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Pop over here and hit stop. Just